everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast, a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. My name is Nicole. I'm on staff at High Point, and I've been helping to host the podcast as we've been doing this mini-series, which is called Chewing on Substance. Uh, our desire for this mini-series has really just been to help you as you continue to process everything we've been doing in the Substance series. So a lot of people are coming to the sermons and listening. We, You also have small groups, but um, sometimes it just takes a while to digest topics and to really process them. We just finished up week six or we're in the middle of week six in our Substance series. And so the sermon that we heard yesterday and the chapter that um, you'll be hearing about this week is Keeping in Step with the Spirit, the fourth mark of substance. And you'll get to hear from Pastor Vince. He is our Associate Pastor of Kids Ministry. And from Jean Collins. She is also on our staff team and she's our church administrator. And honestly, I can't think of two people on our staff and elder, uh, staff team and elder board who are just more equipped for you to listen to as they talk more about what it looks like to keep in step with the Spirit. I've seen it displayed so well in their lives. So uh, we, again, we just hope that this helps you to keep processing these ideas. And yeah, we hope it helps you to keep chewing on substance yourself. All right, welcome. Vince Pieri, the kids pastor of High Point Church here. I'm with Jean Collins. Who is, Jean, I don't even know exactly what your title is. I could make you guess it, but it's actually <laughs> Director of Administration. Director of Administration. And we're going to be talking about this week's sermon and this week's chapter of the book, Keeping in Step with the Spirit. Um, one of the things that Nick talked about in terms of me and Jean doing this podcast was um, he was excited for us to talk about some of the experiences that we've had with the Holy Spirit. We both come from a little bit different background than high point when it comes to Holy Spirit stuff. Right. And we're all completely on the same page theologically, but we've both been just part of different experiences. Yeah, different experiences. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about what Nick talked about and then just adding kind of how that spoke to both of us based on our experiences. So let's start at... Um, Nick's first point of his five points during the sermon on Sunday, and I believe it's on page 140 of the book, he talked about how the, the act of walking with the Spirit is not that mystical, right. which I think is really important. And he was making the point that when we say yes to God leading us, we expect the fruit of the Spirit to be born in us and for Him to help us to overcome sin and to do the things He's called us to do. And if you look back on your life and you see that sin is being overcome and that there are good things that He had planned for you to do that you're doing, then that's enough information for you to say, I am being led by the Spirit and I'm keeping in step with the Spirit. Right. How did that, it's not that mystical idea, resonate with you, Jean? Yeah. I, I think that's such a good point to make. And because uh, when I read the chapter in the book, the I think it's on page 140, he says that once you've eyes to see the work of the Holy Spirit, you'll see him everywhere. So as we start to look for him, we'll see his work both coming out as we read scripture, as we encounter different people, as we have thoughts and ideas in our own minds for answers to questions that we knew 
or I can recognize don't really come from me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was uh, talking with you earlier about how when I've been at High Point for nine years, and uh, when I first came here, I came from a charismatic background, and I didn't expect to hear anybody talk about the Holy Spirit at all here. And um, as I spoke with people, I found that they would share stories about how they were led by the Lord to do this or that. And I realized, oh, I would say that differently. I would say, oh, the Holy Spirit showed me this or that. Mm-hmm. And that there really is just, a, it was just a semantic difference. It was just a difference of words. But that people hear and get nudges and urges from God here the same way I do. And we just, you know, we could be easily divided just because of use of words. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's not that mystical. Everybody probably has experiences in their life where they go, I just knew that was the right thing to do. Yep. And the fruit bore out that that indeed was God directing them. Yeah. And that's the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I completely resonate with that. I have met, you know, I've been a part of a few different kinds of churches. The biggest experience I've had with Holy Spirit stuff has been being mentored by people that had really charismatic or Pentecostal backgrounds and poured a lot of that stuff into me. I haven't spent a lot of time in a church where that's just the normal Mm -hmm. language that people use or the normal experience that people expect. But when I've met people from those backgrounds where God's speaking to you or prompting you or opening a door for you to minister to somebody, when, when we actually get down to the specifics of what did it feel like, what did it look like um oftentimes it does look very similar to what anybody might talk about from a right from an evangelical background right one of the interesting things so most of my experience of keeping in step with the spirit has been things like that mm-hmm. where um it's a conviction over sin or it's a hey maybe i should you know call this person or reach out to this person right. very non-overtly supernatural things right. but what i've been surprised by is even the more overtly supernatural ones mm-hmm. still didn't feel mystical. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Well, it's that's interesting. Let's hear an example. Yeah, so I remember one time we were in a prayer group and there was a girl sharing and she said, you know, I was dating this guy and he, he broke up with me. It was a very painful breakup. He treated me very poorly, and then he moved to the other side of the world, and then he um, got really drunk one night and got beat up and is in the hospital now. And she was very broken up about this because it was someone she really cared about, and even though they were broken up and even though he treated her really bad, she felt really, Mm -hmm. you know, sad that this had happened to him. Mm -hmm. So we're talking. It's a group of people, and we're praying for her, and I just... Like I said, it wasn't mystical, but I couldn't get this idea out of my mind, this word guilty. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a voice from heaven. Right. It wasn't audible. Mm-hmm. It was. It almost felt like all of a sudden I had a moral obligation to ask her a question along those lines that I couldn't mm-hmm. shake. Right. But it, but I wouldn't have said, wow, I think God is talking to me right now. I just couldn't get rid of it. I was like, I just think I need to ask her. Right. And so I just said, do you feel guilty for what happened to him? Right. And I felt like it was the stupidest question ever to ask because he dumped her 
and he was on the other side of the world, and she had nothing to do with it, and it was his own bad decision. Right. And it was like the floodgates just opened, <laughs> and she's weeping yeah. and weeping and weeping, yeah. going, it's all my fault. Yeah. I did this to him. I should have been there on the other side of the world to protect him. Right. And I was like, wow, that does not make any sense. Right. I had no idea that's what she was feeling. Maybe a more skilled counselor could have right. seen through what she was saying and right. said, Oh, yeah, she's feeling some kind of guilt. But I, in my natural mind, had no idea. But there was this impulse to ask her about that. But that impulse ended up being a very supernatural moment where I was able to see through God's eyes into the situation. But even that supernatural moment did not feel supernatural in my heart or mind. It wasn't a voice. It wasn't even a whisper. It was just, I just think I'm going to... Yeah. I'm just going to ask her because I right. feel like I shouldn't. I have right. no way to explain right. it. Yeah, I, th- I think that's most often what happens for me as well. It's when, and I think for a lot of people, where you don't realize that the Holy Spirit's giving you information. Mm. When you're praying for someone, mm-hmm. um, whether they're in front of you or you're just praying through your prayer list, and it's like you have the idea of what to pray. And then sometimes you find out later, or if the person's in front of you, that was such the right thing for mm-hmm. them to hear or for you to speak to God about them. I mean, they'll, like you said, they'll start crying mm-hmm. or whatever. But there's, there's just lots of different ways that um, just, you know, walking by the Spirit day to day, just getting a nudge. You see somebody in the lobby on Sunday morning, and, but you notice one person Mm-hmm. And there's a, the lobby's full of people, right? And, you, and just you move on that, and you go and you talk to that one person, and you kind of realize later, oh, I was being directed to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I was being directed because they needed to share a story or whatever it is. So I think there's just lots of like very natural ways that the Holy Spirit uses us during the day that that we don't realize really consciously that we're hearing from them. You're mm-hmm. you're surprised. It's yes. Just like oh. Yes. But why would I notice that one person versus the right. other person? So. When you get those little nudges, Jean, do they, for you, feel like they've got a little bit of a moral edge to them? Like, I'm supposed, even I can't, even though I can't totally make sense of this, I would feel like I was maybe not being quite obedient if I didn't do this thing that I can't quite explain why I feel like I should do it. Is that what yeah. it feels yeah, like? Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you feel like you'd almost be guilty for walking past them. Mm-hmm. And you probably are. It's like, no, the Lord's <laughs> actually showing you to go do that, so you go do it. Yeah. And then, you know, the more often you actually act on those things, the more you see the fruit mm-hmm. of the Spirit from it. You know, that person is receiving something from God through that interchange. Then you're more likely to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, then you're like, oh, this is fun. Right. This is an adventure then. Right, and right. you go out and you see, what God's, what are you doing today, God? Yeah. So One of the things I love about it, too, is, um, like, I remember one time I was in a, a restaurant by myself. I don't even remember why. I was sitting in a restaurant, and I had my laptop that mm-hmm. I had just purchased. And I, I think it was like a Dunkin' Donuts. And this not the laptop. The, <laughs> <laughs> the laptop was not Dunkin' Donuts. I think I was in a Dunkin' Donuts with this brand new laptop. I have no idea. I can't remember why. But there was a mom and her daughter there. Oh yeah. And I felt an uh I think a nudge to pray for them. Mm-hmm. And so I walked over, started talking to them a little bit and prayed for them. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And there was no tears, there was no fanfare. And yeah. when I look back, I'm not sure if that was God nudging me or not. Yeah. 
But the good news is, it doesn't really matter. That's right. That's right. It's a precursor to you being kids' pastor. That's what it is. Right, right. But yeah, yeah, that's really, that's so true. Yeah. That's really cool. When God, sometimes we worry so much, is God telling me to do this right. or not? But like, if I had asked that girl, do you feel guilty? And she said no. Okay. Big deal. <laughs> right. Yeah, you phrase it in a way that it's not it's not laying something on them. You just ask a question. Right, yeah. right. So many of the nudges we get would be good ideas, even if they weren't. <laughs> That's right. That's very true. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. All right, back to the book for a minute. In Nick's, I believe, five examples of what it looks like to keep in step with the Spirit, I, I'm not sure what number it was, but one of them is putting to death the flesh, crucifying the flesh. And in that section, Nick said, indwelling sin isn't a part of the real you. Yeah. And I love that sentence. And yeah. that understanding of sin is something that I kind of, through a bunch of different people and sermons, came to a new understanding of that idea that indwelling sin isn't a part of the real you. And I think that is a very important right. realization to have when it comes to overcoming sin. So I could talk a lot about that. Do you have any initial thoughts on that concept for you? Is Was there a, a time period where you kind of came to that understanding? Oh, I've been, I've been trying to build that into my life over the last few years. So it, yeah, and I've been a believer a very long time. But I mean, it says it over and over in scripture that our old self has died. It's dead. It's been crucified. I don't think it could get any deader. And so why do I keep living like it's it's still there? It's not the real me, the indwelling sin part, the mm-hmm. flesh part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if Bethel Church coined this phrase, but the first time I heard this was from Bethel. That they, well, it's not really a phrase, but they were talking about the phrase that's all over evangelicalism. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And one of the things I've heard a bunch of different pastors there talk about is that's actually not what the Bible says. It says in Romans 5, 8, it says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning there was a time we were sinners, but we are no longer to bear that label on ourselves of sinners. That doesn't mean we don't sin. We do struggle with sin. We will find ourselves sinning, but we are not sinners. That we should count ourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ. Or Paul, even in Romans 7, says, When I sin, it is no longer I who sin, but sin living in me. That he doesn't even say that he is the one who is going about sinning. I think that that's very important because if we put the label on ourselves of sinner one we it's easy psychologically to get down on yourself and beat yourself up right. but even more i think in the long run you being you end up being softer on sin than you would be if you say i'm not a sinner right because when you, you sin right when you sin with the right. label sinner you say well i'm just acting out of who i am right. i'm just a sinner this is what i do this is what i'm always going to do mm-hmm. but if you say no i'm a saint I've been given the righteousness of Christ. Right. I'm a child of God. Now you have the the mandate to seek out sin because it isn't a part of who you are. Every time you sin, you're doing something out of character, something unexpected. That's a really good way to put it. You're doing it out of character then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why we walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. It's, we're choosing to always serve and walk by Holy Spirit. 
and not by the the sin that's going to tempt us, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have power over us. Right. It doesn't have power over us anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So um, I think that's really important. And it's funny. I've been talking. I don't know if my kids team is going to listen to this, but I've been talking a lot about this with them. Oh, that that we shouldn't put that label on ourselves even while we're struggling with sin especially while we're struggling with sin right. and it's been it's been this very interesting conversation where they're like well but i am a sinner and then we say well where does it say that in the bible right is there a verse post salvation really good way to go at it to convince yourself because it's like you have to have your mind renewed in that you mm-hmm. have to and that's mm-hmm. that's going to come from reading reading the word and getting convinced that what it says is true. Mm-hmm. So yeah, where does it say that? That's good. That's right. a good way to put it. Yeah, and they're really the phrase "you are a sinner saved by grace" is nowhere yeah. in the Bible. And Paul starts every one of his letters, even to the Corinthians, who are dealing with all sorts of sin struggles. Right. He says to the holy ones in Corinth, right. Right. which is another right. same yeah. phrase that's translated as saints. Yeah, we were sinners saved by grace. That's mm-hmm. all. It's just that one verb. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's good. Exactly. That's really good. Exactly. And some of it can be semantics. You know, if, if a murderer, you know, spends his time in prison, pays off his debt to society, mm-hmm. he might get out of prison no longer murdering people and still say, I'm a murderer. And he means, you know, that's what he did before. Right. But you can also say, I'm a murderer and still see it as your identity and think, right. I am I am likely to do this again because of who right. I am. Right. Which I think psychologically is why people often say, or what they feel when they say, I'm a sinner. They yeah. say, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. Right. And so they right. keep acting. Yeah. Keep acting out of that identity. Yeah. That's, that's so good. And that was so important what he said with that. I mean, that is just a key. Yeah, you're right. It's in the kill the flesh section yes. of the book. I mean, it's just such a key to us walking out, being fully who we are. Because, yeah, we rely on that label, I'm a sinner, to not realize who God really made us to be. Right, right. And and the, and the that's what the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, our, our walking by the Spirit through life is going to bring glory to God by us being fully who we are. Mm-hmm. And so the more we we focus on that positive thing instead of the negative thing. When we fall prey to sin, we repent, get past it. Mm-hmm. And we continue walking by mm-hmm. the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we know that walking by the Spirit means brutally crucifying the flesh and the sinful nature every time you see it, yeah. or maybe you shouldn't even say sinful nature, but just sin when it pops up. Whenever we do that, knowing that that sin isn't part of who you are, Right. Psychologically is so important because otherwise right. you feel like you're waging war against yourself. Right. But you're not. You're waging war against sin. Right. That's living in you or right. tempting you. Or what you're trying to do is release who who God, the gifts and the the places, the things that God made you to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. If you if one way I've been thinking about it is if you had a bunch of soldiers at the front line mm-hmm. of a battle, just like we're soldiers front line in the spiritual battle. If if they're tempted to cowardice, to oh. run from the front line, yeah. and you as a general got out there, you wouldn't say, you're a bunch of cowards. Make sure you don't act like cowards. You're a bunch of cowards, so get in there and fight. Right. You, it would make it so much worse. No, you go to the front and say, you are soldiers. 
Right. Even if they're tempted towards cowardice or feeling cowardice or wanting to run, you say you are soldiers. That is the identity that right. you've been given. When we're at the front line of temptation or sin or being walking to what God has called us, if you go to yourself or another person and say, you're a sinner, stop sinning. That's all you think about. <laughs> right, the motivation just goes down. But we if you know. say you are a child of God, right. you can overcome this. Right. That sets people up yeah. for excellent. success. Well, we are just about out of time. We are just about And I've been told that ending earlier is totally fine, but ending later is not. Not so nice. That's so good. <laughs> so uh, thanks so much for listening. There's going to be more of these podcasts coming up. If you have any um, thoughts specifically for me and Jean, you can email either one of us. Either one of us. On sure. the church website under the mm-hmm. staff section. Both of our emails are up there. And uh, we hope that this book and the sermon series has been helpful to you and your small groups and whatever community you're in. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you later.